favor dale and i know it always seems like i come to you in the moment of need but please don't believe that's so truth is i'm always thinking of you but i really need your help this time me and three of my friends are about to embark on our latest and greatest journey we're making a podcast dale and i know i know four literate dudes trying to sound relatively smart about the world of sports now you know why i'm asking for this help please dale I ask that you once again grace this podcast with your infinite amounts of speeds and your will to always prevail and cross that finish line as a champion. You know, I will never forget that you died on that wall for us. Just the other day, I was taking a walk with my wife and our two beautiful daughters, Dahlia and Dolia. I just stopped and looked into the sky, felt the warm sun on my face, and my wife asked, Eric, what are you doing, sweetheart? And I simply replied, Just thinking about Dale. She smiled at me, and I smiled right back. Now I know that you'll do us right, just like you always have. I certainly know that I'm not a multiple-time Turkey Cup champion by luck. It was you. It was always you. And Dale, I need you now more than ever. Number three in the sky, like an eagle in my eye. Trademark. Welcome to Dirty Plays, y'all. Now you know who we got on our back. Y'all about to get fucked up. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Dang. Grandpa, does Dale love me too? I don't think he does. But let me tell you guys a story about good old Dale Earnhardt. Mm, let's hear it. When I was 12 years old, all the way back in 2001, let's say February 18th, 2001, I watched the good old Daytona 500. It was a beautiful race. Didn't get to catch the end of it because, unfortunately... As a twelve-year-old, I had to go to a funeral. Not of anybody. Damn shame. Not of anybody close to me, but I went in uh, respect. Even as a twelve-year-old, I was a pretty respectful little asshole. Found out from my uncle and a couple of his friends that Dale Earnhardt had passed away that day. And in that moment, at a funeral parlor where I wasn't crying, that is when I started to cry because that is how much Dale Earnhardt meant to me. What the fuck is a funeral yeah, did parlor? Did you just call it a funeral parlor? What do you live in, the 70s? <laughs> Shut Jesus. the fuck up. I mean, I bury people for a living, and I have never heard anyone call it a funeral parlor. The funeral parlor is where you get your hair cut. Yeah, Sounds when you're right. dead. When you're dead. They do do your hair <laughs> not wrong. post-death. You guys are all assholes. It's a job. So you're telling me... That in 2001, we both lost Dale and 9-11 happened. How did America survive? 9-11 only happened because Dale died. Let it's me true. just get that straight. That's, that's, that's actually 100% true. Don't ask questions about it. It's fucking true. 2001, my year. So did anyone actually watch NASCAR at any point in their life? I did until no. Dale Earnhardt died. Like I was a big NASCAR fan. 
like my dad would would ask me the number of a car and I could tell you the driver for yeah. that car. Like I like NASCAR. It's just like it's just like other sports to me where I like college basketball because of UC. I like uh the the Reds, so I like MLB. I like the Bengals, so I like football. And I liked NASCAR because I was a Dale Earnhardt fan. And honestly, the day that he died was the day that I stopped liking NASCAR. Yeah, during that era, I was the kind of the same way. Like I at least knew the top like twenty racers. And like if you gave me a number, I can also uh name the driver of the car. Um my uncle and my dad were really into it. And growing up, me and my cousin, we used to race uh go-karts. Like we actually owned go-karts and had the you know trailer and, and everything raced on dirt tracks and it was racing was a big part of my uh, childhood and I loved it then. And I kind of wish I still did it. It's such, it's so expensive though. And it's kind of not really possible, but it is something that I, when I think back, I really, I really miss it. But um, my uncle was a huge Dale Earnhardt fan, like his basement, you'd walk down there and it looked like you were in a, uh, a modern day flea market with Dale Earnhardt, everything. Hot Wheels, you know, Coke machines, like diecast cars, and and fucking uh, like uh, uh, pictures on the wall, yeah, like everything. memorabilia and like that. Because of that, I I've always been somewhat of a fan. My my dad was a a Jeff Gordon fan, which was Dylan Hart's rival. Wow, what? So the I, if I'm I'm coming clean. I was also a Gordon fan. Oh, we we know. We know you've been a Gordon fan. I don't even know if that makes any sense. I'm a Gordon fan and I'm proud of it. But Dale and Hart's number one, baby. I mean But but my my mom actually um so Gordon used to race down at uh uh Lawrenceburg Speedway and my mom used to sit with it with his mom and watch him race. So I think there's kind of a history there, which is why my family kind of leaned towards Gordon, but so the, that that was the era that I enjoyed NASCAR, but at, pretty yeah, pretty much after Dale died, and that that was kind of it for me. I haven't watched it since. And to be honest, like if you, Richard, you ever have you ever been to a NASCAR race? Boring as hell. Yes, I've been to a couple. I watched I watched Jeff Gordon win the Indianapolis four hundred and five hundred. I think that the the, uh, the the IndyCar race is a five hundred, and the the NASCAR race is the 400. I watched Jeff Gordon when I believe one it's at the Indy. I've been to two 400. Of them, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I didn't see him. That's the one I went yeah, to. Yeah, that sounds and, about um, right. I could see maybe Bristol being fun because I'd imagine you could see a lot of the track. I've never been there. I don't know because it's so small. Yeah, and that might be fun. It's a half mile. Because if you go to, to a long track, you you almost can't tell who's in what place. It's It's kind of boring. It's exciting just because his cars are so damn loud. But I mean, after you know twenty minutes into it, you're like, "Who's in, who's in what place?" And I want to go home. <laughs> the only time I've ever even right. tried to go to a race, it wasn't a NASCAR race. It was the Indy Five Hundred, and it was like 1998, and there was a rainout. So that's about my extensive experience with the racing community. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I know so little about NASCAR that I thought the reason people watch was for the wrecks. Because if you're watching on TV, what are you actually watching for? Like, what technique are you looking for? 
what makes it interesting? Well, one, Rubin's racing. Two, you drift to win. <laughs> and three, Dale and Hart, baby. I mean, at the end of the day, like, they talk about certain courses or certain tracks. Like, if you were to try to walk up some of those yeah, embankments, can. like, you couldn't because of how steep they are. And the fact that they're going 200 miles an hour around certain courses like Talladega. Like, Talladega, they don't even have to stop. They can just go straight around. So that's intense. If you would, if you truly think about it, I've never even hey, done you've it. You've been there miles with me. Um, so I have, and it's kind of terrifying. But for, to to go double that with forty other cars, it, it, it's it sounds like it's kind of exhilarating, but it, it could also be. Uh, you can use technique and things like that to, I guess, win a race. But um, I'm sure there's. You know, there's certain things that go into it that uh, that make it. Uh, people, you know, I think what a lot of people don't yeah, know no, challenging is that when I, when you're racing and you take those turns on a lot of those tracks, you're going so fast that those cars are actually sliding. They're not always like gripping. And so if when you see some of those cars going, yeah, 200 plus miles per hour on those turns, you're they're sliding at some point because those tires are so they they have no tread on them. It, there's definitely all kinds of technique. It's not just like you know making sure you're tight on the turns. It's I don't know. I I don't know. See, I would I would definitely would take a ride in a NASCAR if like if a NASCAR you have a professional professional if a professional were to drive it. I'd be in the the passenger seat. I would do that. Like Richard said, I don't know if I could get up to 200 miles per hour on my own without shitting my pants. It's kind of terrifying. Oh no, absolutely not. I get that. There's a lot of technique involved in the driving i guess just from a spectator sport perspective though uh, it's just hard i find it hard to see it as compelling like watching it other than you know for the risk i get what you're saying there's a lot of laps and really the most exciting part of the race is the beginning and then the most exciting is the end just because that's when the, the racers will put it all on the line obviously if they're not in a good position, they're going to be doing more. Uh, they're going to take more risks to gain uh, positions, you know. But um, throughout the race, you know, they kind of take it steady, do the best they can. But when there's ten laps left, you're going to see a lot. A lot of the racers do more risky move or take more risks. Apparently, in recent years, they've they've tried to like spice NASCAR up a little bit. I know that they do like they do like segments now, and there are certain points for certain. For, for certain things that you do in the race. I don't I don't follow NASCAR uh well enough to be able to explain this. We could probably go into detail if we did a little bit more research on this, but they, they definitely have spiced NASCAR up in the uh did, in did the they, past did they few, add like turtle uh, shells seasons. or banana peels? Is that what they're doing? I wish they did. Can we all agree that we wish they did? I know a little bit about it. Um NASCAR has like a final series now, like a playoff series and each race you gain points from. I mean, that's always kind of how it's been. Each race you gain points from, but the playoff was never really a part of it. Um, but during each race, like, it's broken up into segments, and you don't only get points for winning the whole race, but you'll get points for laps led, winning the first half of the race, winning the second half of the race, like... There's a few different ways how it's more broken up now to, I think, make it more exciting throughout the entire race instead of just 
the last 10 laps. Like I've always been a guy that's turned it on for the last five or six laps. Like, Hey, it's going to get exciting. But now I think it's more. That's definitely the most exciting part. Hey, a guy can do more for a season by leading 30 laps throughout the middle of it. Yeah, I can see that being, obviously I think NASCAR is losing viewers and I, I definitely can see them trying to spice things up like that. But I, I think it's just, to me, I think it's a dying sport. Whether it's going to happen sooner or later, I don't know. But uh, even some of the hardcore fans that I used to know growing up, none of them watch it anymore. Pretty much ever since they, they introduced that damn Japanese Toyota truck or Toyota car onto the onto the onto the tracks Mm -mm. dude that's a no-no that's a no-no watch your mouth boy yeah nascar was bizarrely big when we were growing up like it was a mainstream sport right around the time fox had their uh glowing puck for hockey those were like up-and-coming sports and then that used to be the shit i used to love watching the glowing puck during the uh all-star game that That was the shit and now because real hockey fans think it's hokey as hell. Yeah, they can do the hokey pokey and turn themselves around. I think they, I think they find it g- gimmicky. Turn it all around. All right. Well, Dale's gone, and I think we need to be gone too. NASCAR, rest in peace. Let's uh, move on to um, the most recent sport that happened uh, in UFC 249. Yeah. So UFC 249 last Saturday. In my opinion, it was a night of fuck-ups. I thought the refs were shit and the judges were off. Um, just just watching the prelims, I felt like the judges weren't calling the fights correctly. And I, I believe my opinion was justified when uh, Cowboy and uh, Anthony Pettis. Clearly, Pettis poked Cowboy in his face. And immediately following that, Pettis just teed off on Cowboy's face, just drilled him, knocked him to the ground. And you could see Cowboy saying, yo, you poked me in the eye. Give me a second. Ref didn't call anything, and Pettis, I think, was kind of shitty on him. He saw, he took advantage of the situation, and it's hard to tell if you know. Obviously, in the thick of things, I don't know if he knew that he poked him in the eye, but when your opponent is clearly holding his eye and kind of cowering down, I feel like it's kind of shitty to, to you know, to unleash on him, and that's exactly what Pettis did. And uh, because of that, I think that won Pettis the fight. Before that, they were exchanging blows back and forth. Everything looked even. But and, but Cowboy had a few takedowns, which I thought had Cowboy winning that fight. And I'm a Cowboy fan, so this might sound biased. And I thought Cowboy should have won that fight. Obviously, because Pettis cheated in a way. It, it, whether he meant to do it or not, I feel like the call was it should have been made. And it wasn't. And because of that, I think the judges took those shots into account and Cowboy lost the fight. And to me, I thought that was absolute bullshit. Is it really on Pettis, though, to be like, hey, you're kind of struggling, like I'm going to slow back a little bit? Like, I feel like from all the fights I've watched, taking advantage of somebody while they're weakened is what an opposing fighter has to do to win a lot of fights. So isn't that more on the refs to say like, Hey, you might've done something illegal. Like let's take a little pause here. So I've seen it go both ways. And I think you can relate that to other sports. If you do something that's against the rules, it's kind of up to you to maybe back down for a second or admit fault. 
And I mean, Richard, what, I mean, if you did something in a sport where you realized that you made a mistake, would you capitalize on it or would you just take a step back and be like, hold on, let's capitalize on it 100%. What are you talking about? Pro athletes take advantage of any little thing they can pretty much no matter what. I mean, in, in like the scrums, you got dudes tugging on each other's nuts in football like they're doing all types of dirty shit in the pile like that that's what happens you you do what you can get away with you got diving in soccer like i i guess the question truly is and uh what i kind of wanted to ask uh when you start talking about it is is there something that can be done with i don't know video or uh, with the referees to make sure that things like this don't happen, especially now, in they definitely have big fights like these. And I do think they take that into account sometimes. They don't. They don't make a big deal about it like soccer does with VAR. Like they're not like let's go back to the uh, video to see you know if this call will be overturned. But I do believe that the the judges have access to you know replays. And if you watch that replay, man, all five fingers were up in his fucking face, and it's just like come on. It almost seems like something like that or a nut check or something that can literally just turn the tide of a fight. Um, like you could go back and check the, the 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 video, but if the fight ends 15 seconds later, does the video even help? Right. In that and that's, situation? that's a good argument. That's, I mean, maybe they don't have. And the, yeah, right. The decisions made so quickly that they don't have time to review the whole fight. But that was a key moment. Like subjectively, and was talking about it, they definitely. Uh, I would assume that they definitely had access or should have access to to use that video to, you know, use use that information on their scorecard. And um, but like Sam said, sure. I mean, other sports. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it, in UFC, I've seen plenty of times where someone either gets a nut check or poked in the eye. The person that did it will realize it and maybe take a step back. And and then you know then they give you know they give the guy time to recoup, and then they go at it again. MMA's while they're beating the shit out of each other, there's all kinds of like an honor system implemented into that sport. It's it's different than other sports, but to me, I I felt like it was kind of disgusting because you saw like Perez definitely saw that he was cowering down and he just unleashed on him. And to me, I I thought it was bullshit, but. Maybe I would think otherwise if it was my guy punching the other dude. Now, can, can they go back and watch the replay and maybe, you know, you don't reverse the decision, but after the fact, fine him for a legal... No, because it's a fight and, you know, things happen. And that's what I'm saying. Like, who knows if Pettis meant to do it or even knew he did it? Because during the... Um, well, um, the ref had both of them in the center of the octagon, and he was going to raise one of their hands to, you know, to announce the winner. Uh, Cowboy and Pettis were having a conversation, and you could hear uh, Pettis saying, "There's no way. I, I'll bet you a hundred bucks I didn't punch, poke you in the eye." And you, so you could hear them discussing um, the situation. And that's another thing: UFC without and and other sports coming up without fans. It's so weird to hear everyone. Their coaches talking, their teams talking, the refs, you know, the announcers, everyone. It, it's just, it's so wild to hear all the noises that go on, you know, that you normally wouldn't hear when, you know, the stadium's not or the arena's not full of fans. It is what it is. Cowboy lost that fight. Pettis won. But then moving on to the next point, questionable event was Dominic Cruz versus Henry Cejudo. Um, they were fighting for the Bantamweight title. 
Cejudo is claiming to be the greatest combat athlete of all time, which he has a pretty good argument. He has uh, the 2008 um, Olympic gold medal for wrestling, which was like the first time that a USA athletes won that since like 1904 or some shit, early 1900s. And then he has the um, the flyweight title and the bantamweight title, which is pretty much unheard of in the UFC. Only Connor, uh, Daniel Cormier, and uh, Amanda Nunes has it. I might be missing someone else, but it's it's a relatively new thing. Like it, three years ago it was unheard. You know, five years ago it was probably unheard of to for a UFC star to have two belts. I think Connor was the first to do it. And since then, only you know two other people, or three other people, have obtained that. Obtained that. Um, it is badass to move. It's I mean, badass. honestly, most fighters stay in one weight division because that's what they can cut weight to, and that's what they feel comfortable at. So, for any fighter to move up and down in their weight division completely affects the fighter, and it, it, it's for them to win, and then to win the title in that other division, it's just crazy. Eric. Eric, do you think that Cejudo, since he basically, after the fight, retired saying, I'm not getting the respect, basically, that the major money players are getting, do you think that he should be getting that type of respect based on his accomplishments? I'm not a huge fan of his. I think he's kind of a... Like his thing is actually his move is actually called the cringe, where he just like huffs and puffs at the camera and like gets like all... I don't know. It's it's weird, and I think he's kind of cheesy. So I'm not a huge fan of his, but yeah, I think he does. He brings in the money. Um, he was a huge name on this pay per view event, and I'm sure he so yeah, I'm sure he made the UFC all kinds of money. And he's been saying it. He's been saying I want more money and I deserve more money. And uh, like we were talking about before, Nick, I think this retirement is. Um, I don't think it's real, but maybe he will. Maybe if he, if he doesn't get the paycheck increase, maybe he won't come back. You, I think he deserves it, but I could care less. You think it's just a ploy, basically, to say, like, give me the money. I deserve it. I mean, I kind of feel like the same way. Like, when you think UFC, like, I don't feel like he's one of the first names that comes to your head. And part of that could be the historic fighting. Like, he fights at a pretty low weight class, and I feel like fighting historically like the heavier the guy the better the fight is well he he claims that he saved the flyweight division which he did they were going to get rid of that division and he made it exciting again so i don't know what they're going to do with that going forward i don't think dana likes the low the the lighter classes at least flyweight i mean the bantamweight uh, division is still pretty exciting but yeah i mean let's go back to the fight i mean dominic cruz versus henry cejudo it was basically they they both looked good, but Cejudo was definitely winning the fight going into the end of the second round. But Cejudo caught Cruz with a knee to the face, knocked Cruz down to the ground, and immediately, as a fighter would, he um, Cejudo jumped on Cruz and started going ape shit on Cruz's face, landing probably I would say every bit of twenty punches as Cruz was scurrying to the fence and get making his way back up to his feet. He wasn't defending the punches, but he was conscious and aware enough to, you know, to get himself back up. But as he was getting up, the ref called the fight. So I definitely know that there's, it's easy to debate either way, whether the call, you know, the fight should have been called off or not. But, I, but for a championship fight, 
with Cruz being aware of what he's doing, I felt like the call was just way too soon, and I didn't think it was fair. You know, Cruz hasn't been fought, he hasn't fought in so long, but he's such a he's a legend in the sport, especially in the division, that they should let that fight go on a little longer. Do you th- and think that because Cruz has been out of competitive fighting for so long i mean his last fight was in 2016 that he really should have been giving a shot at that title belt i think he's proved himself in the past there's not a lot going on in the bantamweight division and you know this is entertainment cruz has the big name cejudo has the big name they like a year ago henry cejudo was uh so dominic cruz has been a commentator and Cruz was commentating one of uh, Cejudo's fights, and after after the match, they um, they had a post fight interview with him, and Cejudo's talking, you know, talking a big game, saying, you know, trying to talk his name up, saying that I'm the greatest fighter in this division. And Cruz looked at him and said, "To be the best fighter in this division, you have to beat the best." And he was like, "You have to fight me." And they literally shook on it on camera, and you know, a year later, here here they are. So I felt like this fight was built up pretty nicely, but but it ended so shitty to me. At the same time, does that hurt Cejudo's case that he's a great fighter when his best opponent in the division has been out of fighting for four years? Possibly, but he but he he slapped um, T.J. Um, Dillashaw, who was cheating. He was on I don't I forget what he was on, but he was definitely taking performance drugs. And he slept him within like, I forget what the time was, but it was first round early and it was dominant. And Suhudo does that. I mean, he, I think he definitely has the name with Cruz not fighting for so long hurts him at all. Cause Cruz, is, he's got such a weird style and he's got a ton of respect and a ton of fans. I don't think that takes anything away from this victory. And again, I could look at on the other side where he was definitely Cruz wasn't answering to any of those shots other than trying to get up. So he, they, I don't know. I feel like they should let the fight go, but they didn't. But at the same time, you felt Cejudo definitely was winning the fight and probably would have ended up winning the fight. If it went to the decision after the second round and the knee never happened. Yeah. Cejudo probably, probably would have won that fight, but it was a, th- it was a five round fight. There should have been a lot more fighting in my opinion. So what I've heard from the the two fights that you've talked about, it seems like there's been, maybe just with with UFC 249, that there was uh, just bad calls by officials. In my opinion, yeah. And well, I mean, the, I mean, early on I thought it was the judges, but then in this fight, definitely I thought it was. Oh, oh yeah, and then the cowboy fight too was. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the um, the refs. I think they they kind of got it wrong that night. Wait, what's the difference between a judge and a ref? So there are judges who will score the fight, Sam. At, so if it goes all five rounds and it's very questionable, who's you know you really can't tell who's winning. Just like I think the Pettas and Cowboy fight is a very good example. It was a good fight. They were both going at each other. Other than you know the whole eye poking thing that like I was talking about, a judge then they 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 put down you know on their scorecards what who they think won. And I think out of three judges, they make a decision. Um, you know, best out of you know, best out of three. And how how often do the judges decide if it goes all three rounds or five rounds? So it's three round fights, unless you're the main event or going for a uh, a title. 
Yeah, I, I struggle getting behind uh, any competition where a judge just gets to end up calling the winner. No, you're you're right. And normally, for me. I, I feel the same way. And I can't stand it in boxing because boxing is so much more. The rules are, in my opinion, like defense gives you all kinds of points where you you could see a guy just going crazy on a dude but if he's block if the, but if the opponent's blocking every shot that guy is getting more points than the, the striker who's laying all the punches and to me I, I can't keep up with that but i mean i guess at the same time you know defense is as important as offense but yeah i think that's part of why there's so many repeat fights in fighting like in general like you have second and third bouts versus the same guy because if the fight goes the distance you need two or three fights to give you a clear okay this guy's definitely better right well i mean that's that's the second fight that i i thought that kind of got wrong um and moving on to uh tony ferguson versus justin gaethje which was which is the biggest fight in a long time it, I heard it was a massacre. Dude, it really was. And Tony Ferguson is one so, of the toughest dudes on the planet. So, hold on, hold on. But before you just describe this fight, I want your take on what you thought might have happened as opposed to what actually happened. What I thought was going to happen happened, but I thought Tony Ferguson was going to get the edge and win. So, Ferguson's a very lanky scrappy fighter whereas justin gaethje is more he's technical but he's more like a bulldog type fighter meaning that he's going to go he's going to go at he wants it on his feet and he's going to go at you and his punches hit hard um and that's what happened gaethje's punches hit hard Saw some replays yeah his punches hit hard and tony he was doing his thing but it wasn't enough it was a good fight but tony got butchered whereas gaethje you Really didn't see much. Were you surprised face. that the fight need Ferguson didn't try to take him to the ground at all? Like it was a stand up fight the whole way. Do you think that Ferguson probably should have tried to do a submission or a takedown? In hindsight, yes. But Gaethje's very good at wrestling and what and he doesn't but he doesn't like to wrestle. He likes to be on his feet. So he uses his skills that he knows in wrestling to prevent going to the ground. He prefers to stand up. So it's very hard to take him down. And he, But he's good at wrestling. So, but I, I feel like when Ferguson, maybe going into the third round, he should have realized that things aren't going his way. And maybe, yeah, maybe he should have taken it to the ground. And he attempted it in the fifth round, but he was he was spent. He was so tired. But I do want to talk about... So he was originally supposed to fight... Habib in April on April 18th and he did this thing where it, it was stupid on April 18th he posted a picture where he made weight he went down to 155 on April 18th just to prove a point but you have no idea what these guys go through just to make weight sometimes this this guy should not you know Tony Ferguson should not weigh 155 on a regular day yeah he probably weighs 170 to 180 normally and so both Justin Gaethje and Dana White said afterwards, they were like, you know, I, won't, I don't want to make any excuses for him, but I'm sure that hurt him because April 18th wasn't that long ago. And for him to cut all that weight, it hurt him. 
And so, yeah, Tony Ferguson didn't come out with the same energy he normally has, but it still was a good fight. I mean, maybe the same result would happen regardless, and I don't want to make excuses for him. The fight was good. Gaethje deserved it. So, I, honestly, the, Ga- the Gaethje versus Habib fight, that they agreed, they haven't agreed on it, but they're saying it's going to happen in September. That fight's going to be good just because of, of what I was saying before with uh, Justin Gaethje's takedown you know, defense, which is Habib's main thing. He wants to take you to the ground and smother you, whereas it's going to be fun to see Justin defend that. Now, Eric, so that fight's going to happen, but. Conor McGregor, I think, who's probably your favorite fighter, wanted to fight Justin Gaethje. And Gaethje said, that's not going to happen. He basically said, Conor, you're not even relevant in this division anymore. How do you feel about that? So Conor got me into the sport, just like a lot of people. So there's a lot of Conor haters out, out there, but I'm not alone when saying that I I started watching the UFC because of Conor. So I'm not... a you know, I might sound like a fanboy, but there's a lot of us out there. And uh, I kind of agree with Justin Gaethje, whereas I have full confidence that Connor can beat anyone. That Gaethje's been active. All these guys have been active. You know, Connor did fight Cowboy recently, but since he hasn't really fought since, I think, 2016 against Alvarez. No, no, no. No, I'll take that back. He fought, he fought Habib. That's, yeah. But... He's pro- even then though he was very inactive and kind of not there. You know he's selling us whiskey, and he he got into all kinds of trouble. So for him, I get excited when Connor talks because I do want to see him come back. But I also think everything Justin Casey says, you know, makes sense. But yeah, they they had a few back and forths where Justin Gaethje called Connor a bad father, and then you know like Connor got on Twitter and said. You call me a bad father, you're fucking dead. And he wants to fight him. And he definitely wants to fight Habib. And realistically, sure, why not? They're all top five fighters. They might all three fight each other. I, I could see it all happening. But he's not fighting any of them until the, the more, the uh, more you, Habib and Gaethje fight. The more you talk about UFC, the more I realize that it's just the real housewives. Yeah, it kind of is. But for dudes. Like all this yeah. bickering back and forth but, and all this drama <laughs> that leads up to some that's fight, a Connor but thing, instead though. of a verbal fight, that, that kind of is a, a Connor fight. thing. Not every fighter does that, but he is really good at doing it. He's definitely drama filled. He's very good at getting you amped up when you you I you have nothing in uh, no one's involved in their whole their whole drama, but you're like fuck yeah, I got your back. My 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 last question, uh, more for you, Eric, is. After everything that you saw at the UFC 249, what kind of fights do you think we might see in the next pay-per-view? Maybe maybe some preliminaries, maybe some main events, maybe the main event. What do you think we might see coming up? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Obviously, you have, like we were just talking about, the Justin Gaethje-Habib fight will happen probably in September. But on the topic of Conor McGregor, he wants to fight as soon as possible. And uh, Jorge Masvidal's got that baddest motherfucker belt. And I think that might happen because right now Connor's at 170, Jorge's at 170, and just you know, if Connor were to beat Jorge, he then would be he then would in my opinion he then would prove himself worthy of fighting the winner of Habib and uh, Gaethje, and that timeline matches up. If he fights June, July, and they fight September, and they fight again around Christmas, or the, you know the winner of those two fights fight around Christmas, that timeline adds up. 
And in my opinion, I think that's what's going to happen. And for those who don't know, you guys don't know who uh, Nate Diaz is? I've, I've seen a couple of his. I know the name. So Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz are from Stockton. They're known as like, you know, some bad motherfuckers from California who got into the UFC. And um, they're basically just like white trash thugs, but they're, 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 they're likable. And uh, Jorge Masvidal, he's a dude who made it on the scene fighting with, um, oh, Nick, what's his name? Who was that, the big black dude who used to be on all those like videos before like YouTube was even out where he, um, he would just take punches and like he would just fuck people up Isn't he, on the street. Are you talking about the guy that's dead? Yeah, Kimbo, Kimbo Slice. Slice. Bam! I Rich, know some shit Richardson. about UFC, bitches! So Jorge Masvidal, actually, that's when like his first appearance was, was on those videos. Since then, you know, he made it to um, MMA and he is who he is now because of, you know, he's a really good fighter. He fought uh, Nate Diaz for the baddest motherfucker belt, which was a belt just randomly made up, but it was like dark chrome plated and it, it's just, it's stupid, but it's, it's sweet at the same time. And uh, obviously Connor wants all the belts and he's at 170 now and they're trash talking. So I would be very excited to see that fight. What about your heavyweight, fight round three um daniel cormier versus dip miokic so if dc comes back i mean that would be the fight he would want to go for sure yeah i'd like to see dc win it it's kind of just like a dominic cruz type feeling where you want to see these old dogs come in and make it happen dc is so is so fun too he's relatable he's got a really good personality you're gonna if you're a ufc fan you're gonna dc is gonna be around for a long time i think he's gonna be a commentator aside besides uh joe rogan probably at every single pay-per-view event he's fun to listen to he's definitely talking about retiring after whatever his next fight is but people definitely like him in the commentary role so he'll definitely be around the sport for the foreseeable future well i mean it you know wednesday night they some big fights happened too um anthony smith he lost and I was really hoping he was going to win to, you know, get, get to get that rematch against John Jones, but didn't pan out. It, oh man, with them, they were fighting and obviously, you know, the, the arena is empty and you can hear them talking to each other. And that dude, I, I can't remember his name. I should know it, but I don't. So, I'm, you know, obviously I'm a terrible fan, but the guy was on top of Anthony Smith and he was just pounding on his head. And you heard him say, I'm sorry, brother. And Anthony Smith, like while bleeding, his face swollen up was like, sorry, man, you got to do what you got to do. And it's just like, God, these dudes are fucking insane. He was handing his teeth to the referee. Yeah. Yeah. He was literally handing his teeth to the referee. And then when he got back to his corner, he was like, my teeth are falling out. The ref should have called that fight, by the way. The ref should have called that fight middle of round four, maybe even earlier. Nothing was changing. And hats off to Anthony Smith for just not giving up. That's brutal. But he should have given up because <laughs> he, he might be fucked up. But yeah, that's all I got on UFC. Yeah, so uh, if we want to switch our attention uh, to the other sport that's going on right now that uh, people will know while listening to this that we don't know much about, but uh, Korean baseball and the teams that we've chosen to uh, stick with throughout the season as we uh, continue to watch during this pandemic. Why don't you kick that off, Sam? I think it's an overstatement to say we don't know much about it. We don't know anything about Korean baseball. 
but I did do a little research, got a little uh, excited because it was really the only sport that had meaningful results that was going to happen in the, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I got to say, tough to get interested. Uh, I don't know whether it's the, the early start, so I've got to watch it on tape delay. I will say, if you've watched any of the games, ESPN's broadcast is miserable. They've got two dudes talking from their homes, kind of split screen with the game going on, and they don't spend hardly any time talking about the game, which I think makes it makes it difficult. But it was still nice to see baseball played. And uh, we all did decide that we're going to pick a team out. So uh, I'm going to kick us off with my team. I'm going with the Key Womb Heroes solely because I can't pick the NC Dinos because somebody else picked that. Uh, and their mascot for the Key Womb Heroes is uh, Mr. Jaw, who's just a dude with a really huge jaw. Plus, I think they hit the most homers last year. So they're going to be a fun team to watch. So that's that's a team I plan to follow through the Korean baseball uh, this year. Uh, Richard, what about you? I also did not do a ton of research on this, uh, but it was kind of fun to just kind of take a look into it because it's not something that any of us have ever paid attention to. We knew that baseball goes on around the rest of the world, and uh, a lot of great players come from around the world to play in Major League Baseball. But I decided to go with the Lodi Giants. Not a, not a ton of research into it, but they have a... Uh, a seagull as their mascot. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of how we all picked our teams, just trying to get a little goofy with it. But uh, they also started the season five and zero, so it's uh, it was kind of easy to go with that. Just trying to be a fair weather fan, as you would say. Uh, Nick, why don't you go tell us? Hey, uh, I'm going to be cheering for the KT Wiz this year, purely because one of their mascots. Well, actually, really, both of their mascots are ghost wizards, like. I really don't think there's anything better than a ghost wizard. Like they're dead, but they can do magic. So, I mean, they're awesome. You might be right. They're pretty much awesome. Um, the KT Wiz, however, is not off to a hot start right now. They're currently three and seven and have lost a couple close games. So, and they have apparently a pretty good young boy on their team, but that's all I know. How young is he? It's 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 early. I mean, he's 20 right now, but as an 18 year old, he was one of the best players in the league. He's early. Erica, what about your team? <laughs> Who's laughing? <laughs> I am over there. <laughs> All right, I got the NC oh, Dino, shit. baby. First place. Um, Nine and one right now. Yeah, I, I picked the winners. And um, the reason why I picked these guys is because they got a solid team. I'm just kidding. They have two mascots that are the best mascots in any sport ever, except Twister for the Cincinnati Cyclones. No doubt. Wow. Ghost Wizard. (laughs) No, 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 no. Anyway, so we got Swole Daddy, and dude is jacked. He's like the biggest fucking mascot you can see, you've ever seen. And, uh... Then there is a mascot called Dandy, who's just a cute little uh, 
Cute little dinosaur. Dandy Swole Daddy. No, not Dandy Swole Daddy. <laughs> swole Daddy. And on their site, they have, they have a, uh, they have a video a of um, Dandy dancing to the Baby Shark theme song, teaching everyone how to wash their hands. And they're doing like this uh, choreographed dance. It's, it's hilarious. Well, to, to... so clearly we are deprived of sports because we're watching some Korean baseball. Which, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard. I'm to not get watching anything because all the games are on before 5 a.m. and I am 100 percent asleep. Correct. Yeah, when sports kick back on, which they are doing, this is going to be a lot easier. But yeah, listening to uh, me doing a summary of uh, summaries on UFC fights, uh, it's got to be a little painful. But uh, moving forward, I think I think this is going to be a lot easier, a lot more fun. I I don't know. I I found uh, the UFC stuff pretty insightful. Like I said, I came to the realization that it's just the real housewives <laughs> for dudes. So which, which isn't far off. Hey, that means it's going to have a lot of viewers. Well, I think I think they found something that works. Hey, and at the end of the day, did, did they see oh. a big uptick with Conor McGregor? I would say that I I would like to see the stats, the true stats on when Conor entered the scene. How many? people got on the ufc bandwagon because look before connor you associated ufc with tap out you remember the, that stupid tap out shirt that everyone would wear with like the with the ed hardy designs and stuff like that for sure it was disgusting now the ufc yeah. connor mcgregor then they sign with reebok everything looks more clean um their their trunks i guess you'd call them their you know the, the underwear that they wear don't have a thousand advertisements like a nascar you know, everything's a bit more clean in the sport. It's more um, it's more attractive. And I truly, truly think Connor played a huge part in that. Ronda Rousey helped a bunch too. Connor or uh, Ronda Rousey did did as well, but You're just solidifying my point. You are such a brand whore. Like <laughs> the fact that your argument was based on like their outfits. So basically it's just drama. Yeah, I said you were right. I'm I'm willing to admit it though. Is everyone else? I don't know. I'm not a proud person. I'll tell you the truth. Hey, at the end, oh my! You know what else God. you should Shit. admit? Oh, that you got no. jeans. Hey, at the end of the day, whether you're on Fight Island or if you're over in Korea, wash your hands, stay in school, don't get jeans, kids.